don't we all wonder who's gonna make it all right? There's this fundamental reality that we long for justice. We long for that which is wrong to be made right. We long for that which is true to be heralded and held as true. We long for the bad guys to be gone. Am I talking to anybody today? The problem is that longing, that ache, that desire, the only person, the only candidate to fulfill every one of those longings is Jesus Christ. But the thing about Jesus and the way of the kingdom, Jesus turns around and says, but for me to do my thing in the world, I always use people. And so how many know there's a quandary? There's no one like Jesus, but God in his infinite glory and goodness and kindness and love and I would argue humility to stoop and to play with mud and to breathe his life into our nostrils so that we become a living being. God in his humility says, but I choose to use you to accomplish my purposes in the earth. I choose to use broken vessels that I know where they came from, from dirt, and to dirt they return. Well, the courtroom case in Revelation 5 is one of the most stunning passages in the whole Bible. And it's as if the angel issues an invitation to all of creation. Are there any out there who have not participated in vandalizing God's good creation? Are there any out there who have not promoted and propagated systems of oppression and injustice? Are there any out there who have not objectified my image bearers for their own purposes and pleasure? Are there any out there who have upheld my righteous, perfect standard? Is there anyone out there in the mess of the world to shift the course, to right the ship, and to get my purposes back on track for my good world? And all of heaven is silent. John says it like this. I looked and I saw the scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne there was writing on the inside and the outside, and it was sealed. Someone say sealed. With seven seals. So come on, somebody. It was really sealed. And I saw a strong angel as opposed to a weak angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy? to break the seals on this scroll and open it. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And John, the revelator's response is, I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. Why does John weep? John is really a representative of all of humanity. If any of you who have been wronged when you were in the right, any of you who have chosen to walk in truth but were treated and slandered and scandalized, any of you who've experienced, you, the, the psalmist 
talks about in Psalm 73. Why have I kept myself pure when the vile and the wicked seem to be flourishing? Has anyone been there? That ache, that turmoil, John steps in and he really represents the, the reality of all of humanity. How is there no one fit to open and unfold God's redemptive purposes and plans on the earth? When will the wrongs be righted? And he weeps bitterly, Scripture tells us, because there is no one. No one. Why is it so important that there's somebody God's original arrangement, we know, with creation was to make humanity in his own image. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are made in God's image. You were made to walk with God in communion and friendship and intimacy. You were made to, have, to experience no barriers, no strife, no chafing between what you want and what God wants. You were created for God and his purposes. That's... That's the original arrangement, the original agreement. And in Psalm chapter 8 and in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see that God went all in when he created us in his image. He gave us authority, the ability to rule and subdue, to be fruitful, to have covenant relationships, to populate the earth, to take untapped civilization and culture and to till it and to cultivate it and to make something of the world to see the perfection and the beauty and bounty of the garden begin to seep out into all of creation. This was our vocation. This was our mandate. But we see the enemy in his insidious ways to paint God as a bully who is holding out on humanity. And he, did God really say you couldn't instead of saying God said you could do everything except for one thing? You see, he always switches the equation. We know the story. The original arrangement was broken. The authority, the ability, the power, the charge, the vocational mandate to make something of the world to rule with God and on behalf of God. To be in relationship perfect with him and his creation and fellow image bearers. They handed over their authority to the adversary. And our vocation, Psalm chapter 8, what is mankind that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You gave him charge over everything you made. Someone say everything you made. Psalm 8, verse 6. The flocks, the herds, the wild animals, the birds in the sky, except for kitty cats. How many have a kitty cat that actually listens? Can we talk about cats? Let's talk about something else. The fish in the sea and everything that swims... And the ocean currents, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name. It fills all of the earth. But instead of ruling with God, we, we sought to rule apart from God. Am I talking to anyone today? We sought to self-govern instead of submit to his life-giving leadership in our life. Forfeiting our original mandates to do life with God, we sought to be God at God's expense. Which isn't something... He already made them to be like him. How many know sin is always a stupid option if you sit and think about it long enough? Because the God revealed in Jesus, he has pushed all of his chips into the center and said, everything I have and everything I am is yours. If you walk with me, if you do it my way. The transaction took place when the fruit was bitten and their eyes were opened and all the authority, their mandate, their vocation was then handed over to the enemy. 
How many know authority always comes and flows by agreement? The devil had no power. He was a stupid little slithery snake. The devil received power when the ones who held power, those who were made in God's image, gave their power to him. This is so easily seen when Jesus is led to the wilderness. The devil led him in Luke chapter 4 up to a high place and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all of their authority and splendor, all caps, because it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. You see, the devil is very aware the kingdoms and the authority of the world was not given to him by God. It was given to him by sinful, rebellious, treasonous humanity. Those who were meant to bear his image to the world and to rule on behalf of God. How many know the devil has been empowered and continues to be empowered when we give our authority and we refuse to walk in the wisdom and righteousness of God, he continues to be empowered. And Jesus says, I'm not gonna worship you. I've come to undo what the first Adam unleashed on the earth. We know that this is not the full picture. The psalmist tells us that even though the devil thinks the kingdoms and the nations are his to give as he pleases, Psalm tells us that the earth, someone say the earth, is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Even though humanity through our rebellion and our sin and wanting to call the shots and do things the way we saw fit, there was still a sovereign creator God who is over it all with a plan in place to salvage the whole operation. Adam and his wife, the original arrangement, were both naked. They felt no shame. How many lawn to get back there, but we can wear clothes. But that place... Why? Because God was their covering. Did you know that when you are outside of covering covenant, you are outside of covering? Let me say that again. When you are outside of covenant, you are outside of covering. The reason God has so set this thing up through the means and the vehicle of covenant, which is that binding agreement where forsaking all others, we have pledged ourselves to him and him alone. Within the context of that covenant forsaking all, he becomes the canopy and covering over your entire life. God was their covering. But we know the story. They sought to establish agreement with another voice. And how many are ready to stop listening to that stupid voice? (sighs) But God, even in his anger, I would say in his love, He gives them a promise. In Genesis 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. You will strike his heel. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve. Even when we couldn't cover ourselves, God, when they deserved death in the moment, he says, I will cover you and I will set into motion my redemptive plan to right this ship once and for all. An offspring would come. The prophetic promise way back in the garden. This is tied to Revelation 5. An offspring would come who would crush the one who incited treason and rebellion in the garden. 
there would be one who would come. It would cost him his life. He would crush his head, but he would crush him in the meantime. But as a result of this offspring coming and being crushed and crushing the enemy along the way, he would make God's new creation reality a reality on the earth again. So in the midst of all of this, back to Revelation 5, this is a little bit of the background. There was no one, someone say there was no one. There was no one worthy, no one worthy to purchase the deed and the title over all creation. There was no one worthy to unlock and unleash God's redemptive purposes on the earth. There was no one worthy who ever, 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 never um, played into the deterioration, the decay, and the destruction of God's good world and relationship. I like verse five, but if Pastor Ron was alive, he would say, this is one of the great buts in the Bible, my mentor. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49, the heir to David's throne, Isaiah 11. And many others has won the victory. Someone say victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. So John is weeping. Who's going to do it? Who's going to right the wrongs? Who's going to who's going to bring God's purposes to bear? There's no one. There's weeping. There's silence. There's this this issue. This strong angel. Revelation tells us issues the invitation. Who of you out there? would consider yourself worthy to be God's solution for the chaos of the world because of human sin and rebellion. And the angel taps him and says, dude, my translation, there is one. Come on, someone say there is one. In the midst of the war, in the midst of the chaos, there is one who can restore, rebuild, renew reconcile a broken humanity and all of the effects of our treason and rebellion and sin. There is one named Jesus. The bummer of a personal private version of the gospel of Jesus dying for your sins and it's all personal and you get to be forgiven and you get to go to heaven is it misses the cosmic scope and the reality of the gospel. Namely, that the gospel is good news that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he has triumphed over the principalities and powers and he has brought to bear God's dream and desire to the world. The, the redemption of Jesus is cosmic in nature. It touches every square inch of civilization and culture and all of creation, which includes the forgiveness of our sins, amen? But it doesn't just stop there. God is set on making all things new in and through Jesus. The, prof- the prophecy is that the victory that this one would win would be cosmic in nature. It says this in Colossians 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things, what? Hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the 
supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself. How many things? Come on. All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, there it is, our word, through his blood shed on the cross. This is what the scroll in the hand of the man and the one on the throne is all about. Who is going to make peace? Who is going to bring God's shalom to bear on a broken humanity? Who is going to make shalom possible to those suffering internally from anxiety, from fear? Who is going to bring God's shalom to bear on relationships that are strife, that are filled with bitterness, hurt, and resentment? Who is going to bring God's shalom to bear in the midst of nations that war against other nations? Who is going to bring this vision of God's vision for flourishing for his creation and for all of humanity? Who is going to bring it? Paul tells us, Jesus' blood has made a way for God's peace to break in and to have its way in our lives and through our lives. There is only one human found worthy to reverse the curse of sin. Jesus Christ is that one. He's the only one. Then I saw, and how would he do it? See, this is the debate. How did he conquer? How did he win the victory? This is why Revelation is so, so funny. It's, it actually is many commentary. Of its day, it was like a political cartoon. It was so outlandish. How would God win the war? Through a little lamb. <laughs> do you have to see it? Anyone see those political cartoons where the proportions are all blown out and Michael Gorman and, and uh, Joe, the other great genius commentators, the language of Revelation is so outlandish, it was meant to startle us. Who was the one who would step up in the midst of the chaos? What huge, Saul-like king? No. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if he'd been slaughtered. Has anyone seen a lamb? Help me out. Sir. You have to see it. God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55. Come on, somebody. Verse 8 and 9. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. He wouldn't go about righting the wrongs like we would probably choose in our flesh when we ate from the tree of what we thought was knowledge and good and evil. He saw a lamb. Someone say, he saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing. How many know he was crucified, dead, and buried, but he did not stay dead and buried? He was standing between the throne and the four living beings, and among the 24 elders, he had seven horns, which represent strength, and seven eyes, which represent wisdom or all-knowing or power, which represents the sevenfold spirit of God. Read Isaiah 11. Don't have time. He stepped forward. Come on, someone say, he stepped forward. And he took the scroll from the right hand of the one. Look at the drama of this courtroom scene. Of the one sitting on the throne, his father. And when he took the scroll... The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one with a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. This man, Jesus Christ, accomplished God's redemptive victory mission by becoming a slaughtered lamb. Do we understand that the way the kingdom came is still the way the kingdom comes? Come on, somebody. There's always some vision of how the kingdom comes. 
The Essenes thought it was by withdrawing. This is how the kingdom comes. We just get away from the filth of the world. The Pharisees thought it was by this hyper-pietistic religious holiness by fulfilling thousands of laws. The Zealots thought, man, the kingdom comes by insurrection and by killing and by more power and overturning the throes of Rome and their oppressive boot on our neck. The Sadducees thought, I just want to be in bed with those who possess power. I don't really believe in miracles or resurrection. Maybe I'll just be watered down, ooey-gooey, big mush of worthlessness. And then there's Jesus. Do you see, we still have to wade through the options of the way in which we believe we think the kingdom comes to bear on the world. Withdraw? Bad world. Super legalistic, pietistic, we got to Let's just crush him. Or I'm just kind of, I don't really want to make what I believe known. I just want to be a Sadducee. As long as I'm in bed with power. Jesus steps in and he grabs the scroll and he says, how about another way? Through self-emptying sacrificial love. That's the way my kingdom will be established. Do you not think it is significant that in one of the clearest passages in all of the Gospels is the call to what it means to follow Jesus. And what, when you know it, that central to every one of those calls is to carry your cross like I carried mine. I read it recently. I forget, I would give credit if I remember the name. Jesus didn't carry the cross so that we wouldn't have to. He carried the cross so that we would know how to. Come on. That's good. How does the kingdom come? lay down your life and follow me in this way of suffering, self-emptying, sacrificial love. Not because you're paying for sins, because I paid for your sin, but now follow me into victory. Victory comes doing it my way, not your way. Come on, how many know there's always a way that seems right, but in the end, if it's born out of self-preservation, protection, comfort, me at the center, God on the fringes, it always leads to death. But the way of self-emptying, cross-shaped love is the way into the eternal city. It is the way into God's new creation. It is the way of Jesus Christ, our King. There was no one who was worthy but one, and he stepped forward, and I'm telling you, beloved, he's opened that stinking scroll through his death and resurrection. And he's now inviting a people from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue to lay down their agenda, their will, their purposes of how they think, and to carry their crosses with them and to say, hey, follow me. I'm so thankful that in the midst of him opening the scrolls, he, he also takes the prayers of God's people. How many know when you are groaning for that which is wrong to be made right, God stores those prayers up into a bowl? Even in the midst of, you know, righting every wrong and bringing God's purposes and redemptive plan to bear on the world, he still listens to the prayers of his people. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I would be busy making things better. Except for that's how God does it. Remember, the plan has always been to include humanity in his mission. 
Jesus understands our condition. He understands and he hears our prayers for justice, for provision, for breakthrough. And the elders sing because they know things from the lamb's perspective. How many know usually the strife, the worry, the anxiety, the fear, the insecurity usually comes because we're praying or believing out of a place, not seeing things as they really are from heaven's perspective. Come on, am I talking to anyone today? When, when my mountain is bigger than the God who made the mountain, I've got an issue in my prayers. The elders and the angels show us how to pray and from which perspective to pray. Did you know that the Lamb has already, currently in 2018, triumphed? We're not waiting for Jesus to win. No, 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 no. He will come again. He's not coming again to bear sins, Hebrews chapter 7 through 10. How many know he sufficiently bore the record of our sins? He took it upon himself. He nailed our legal indebtedness on that rugged tree, on that busy street just outside of Jerusalem. I've been there. He's taken in a courtroom scene where everyone is guilty save one. He's taken our record of guilt and he said, I'll put my name in its place. My name in its place. Jesus knows our weakness. He knows our condition. But the elders that sing in the heavenly realm and the angels are telling us, guys, you keep getting into trouble if you lose sight of what I see and how I see it. They sang a new song. What do they sing? Somewhere, right? There. Read this with me. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll So part of the song is what? Confessing and believing that in Christ, God's plan can be established today. In, come on somebody, we are singing the reality of Christ's victory. Did you know we're not singing, grin and bear it, what's the phrase? Grin and bear and grin it. I hope God will figure this mess out. We are singing Believing that there is one who is worthy, who has opened the scroll, who through his blood has triumphed over sin, hell, death, and the grave. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God. Say that with me, for God. I like that. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will what? It's not a bad day. The elders are singing the glorious realities of what the slaughtered lamb has accomplished. A new song broke out in heaven when Jesus accomplished all that he set out to do, all that the Father sent him to do on mission was now done. The same writer, many believe, as Revelation is the Gospel of John. Jesus' last words on the cross in John's gospel are tetelestai. What does that mean? It is finished. What's finished? The blood, the sacrifice, the lamb who's taken away the sin of the world, the one who bore the consequences of our guilt and gave us God's forgiveness and mercy in its place. Jesus' first words to the cowardly, scared, the big bad world, they're going to get us, are they going to arrest us too? What are his first words after it is finished through his death? You have to see this. Isn't this good news? It is finished. My blood is sufficient. 
I've made peace with God, with yourself, with humanity, with creation. My blood has made a way where no one else was worthy. Many people have died for worthy causes, but no one has died who was not unworthy in any capacity because of his perfection, his righteousness. Jesus, it is finished. First words to his scared, cowardly disciples. How many feel yourself locked in doors on occasion? His first word is what? Shalom. I'm making everything new through, through what I've done. Peace. And as if they didn't hear him, in four verses, he says peace twice. How many are glad we serve a God who's infinitely patient and merciful? In case you didn't hear me, peace. I said peace, guys. And then what does he do? I love John's gospel, and then we're almost done. He what? He breathed on him. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What's John doing there? I read a lot of commentaries. I think he's rehearsing a brand new creation in the midst of the old. What was God doing at the very beginning? What is God doing after his son made a way for God's vision for flourishing, for peace, for new creation. What is, he, what is Jesus, the Son of God, doing after resurrection? He's taking the lump, the clay, the scared, the insecure, that everyone denied him, they left him to die alone. He's breathing his new creation life into him by the Holy Spirit. That's so cool. I love the gospel. How many know God knows how to find us, even in our cultural moment where it feels like, I just want to go hide. Jesus knows how to break through our walls in a weird, freaky, new creation body kind of way. Just read the account. <laughs> it's, the doors are locked. And then, hi, guys, peace. <laughs> I'm here to tell you the good news. God in Christ knows how to break through every one of your doors without breaking your wall. And he can breathe peace and new life no matter what you're scared about or insecure. Peace. The plan is on track. God and creation through the blood of Jesus Christ and his triumphal resurrection and ascension into glory at the right hand of the Father. God is on his throne. I know you all know this already. But it's a new song that they just keep singing. It's an old song, really. An old planned. Because we know our future as priests, as those who have access to God, we can be fearless and confident in Christ today. In the midst of the chaos, we can, by carrying our crosses denying ourselves and following in the way of Jesus, we can be a part of God's kingdom being established and realized today. This is not easy. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it don't mean it's gonna be easy. There's still an enemy who is being empowered by sinful humanity and the agenda of the devil. 
But there is to be a community that looks like, loves like, serves like, is generous, hospitable, and has a value for life and for relationships and humanity and creation. There is to be a community in the midst of the chaos that can stand as redeemed by the Lamb who has been slain to bear witness to another way forward. Not the way of human ingenuity, but the way of God's kingdom, righteousness, and peace. Then I looked and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne. Just let your mind's eye go wild. Back in the courtroom. Millions, someone say millions. Living beings and elders and they sang a mighty chorus. Say it with me. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. In other words, all the things humanity usually reaches for apart from God. (laughs) Riches, wisdom, strength, honor, let it all be given to him. And then what does Jesus do? Everything I have is yours. Do we understand the way the kingdom works? If you go and try to get it, you'll miss it. If you submit, he can't wait to pour out who he is and what he's done to be a reality of your life. It's the way of the kingdom. The the angels have a warning for us in closing. Don't let your worship just be lip service. Come on, how many are tired of lip service? Lip service don't change nobody and it don't change no thing. Don't offer lip service. Let your worship be costly. Say that with me. Let my worship be costly. Give him power. Give him riches. Give him wisdom. Give him strength. Give him honor, glory, and blessing. How many know that will come at a great cost, namely denial of ourselves and our desire for those things for our own purposes? The angels and the elders say, don't let your worship be cheap, bro, or sis. But the one you worship withheld nothing and withholds nothing from us today if we will do things his way. Don't just go partially in, go all the way because he is worthy of the one who spared nothing. He is worthy of nothing less in return. Everything the angels give praise to the lamb for are the snares that usually turn into idols for us. So the angels are telling us, take those puppies and turn them heavenward and allow God to give you a new heart so that you can actually harness his blessings in a life-giving way for those around you. That was good. That was not in the notes. God created all things good. Remember, go back and read Genesis. It's our orientation to these good things. When we make the good things the thing, is where we get into trouble. But heaven is saying, the angels, the elders, and the one on the throne, and the lamb who is worthy, everything you gave over in your rebellion and sin, Jesus Christ has made a way to restore. Give all of your life to the lamb. And then all of creation, the last song, Oh, yeah. Read it with me. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea 
they sang. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Beloved, this is the power of agreement. Where the enemy incited rebellion and we came into agreement with him in the garden, when we agree with the song that's being sang, when we agree with the reality as things really are in Christ, God unleashes his power, his provision, and everything we would need to live as his redeemed people on the earth. This is nothing short of heaven and earth in agreement. And the four living creatures, as an add-on, said, amen. And then the elders just keep falling down. I don't know what's going on with them. Obviously, we know what the word amen means. I uh, agree, and so be it. One more time. I agree, and so be it. Do you agree? Heaven is looking for an amen on the earth in a people. Follow me, Jesus. I'm the lamb. If you're going to follow me, your life, by the power of the Spirit, I breathed on my scared little boys. I'm sure there were some scared girls. Probably not, but there were definitely scared little boys. I will empower you in a world that seemingly spins in chaos. You will experience my peace, and you will become an instrument of that peace to those who desperately need it. Stand up with me, if you will. Some of you said, I know all this stuff. Well, know it again. (laughs) Come on, somebody, know it again. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news of Jesus, that he has triumphed, and he's made a way today. Just want to pause for a minute. Maybe you find yourself in a situation like the disciples in John 20. Your hopes are dashed. You're fearful. You're insecure. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been threatened. Maybe you're just in a season of anxiousness and worry. Would you just receive the one who breathes his spirit upon you today? Receive that peace. Say, Jesus, thank you that you can break through my locked doors. And you can announce reality as it is seen and experienced through you, Jesus. And in you, Jesus. Father, I ask, as we are in this battle that's raging, that we would be a people who live from a humble and confident place of victory in Jesus. God, it is so complex and complicated, the different circles and streams we swim in as citizens of a nation, in a city, in a region, in a family, in relationships, at a workplace. God, it is complex, complex and complicated. What is not complicated is the one through whom things are made right. What is not complicated is the one that we draw our very life from. Jesus, it's you. We agree with heaven and we say amen. 
The lamb who has been slaughtered but has been raised is worthy of everything. And so, Lord, we heed the call today to carry our crosses. We don't go the way of the Essene community of withdrawal. We don't go the way of the Pharisees of religious right rule-keeping. We don't go the way of the Sadducees that are watered down and impudent and believe nothing so they don't have to take a stand for anything. And we don't choose the way of the zealots through the end of the sword. God, we choose the way of Jesus and his cross. We choose the way that God in Christ has won the battle. So Lord, we choose today to have a worship that is costly and we give and ascribe all blessing, honor, worth, glory, and power to Jesus, our master and king. Lord, I pray that that truth right now would be like cement in the hearts of our people, that we would be a gospel people who are not moved or shaken or stirred by the prevailing predominant winds of culture, but who listen to the voice of the one who continues to speak from the throne. I am making all things new. So don't abandon my kingdom project and substitute it for a counterfeit, cheap imitation. God, we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to Jesus. And it's his in mighty name we pray. Amen.